gabagool gram and something with fat and nitrates. Hey, hey, <laughs> Gabriella says we down here for the gabagool. The gabagool. Let's say it. The gabagool. We had sandwiches brought in the other night. Four with ham, salami, gabagool. Taking the gabagool and shit out of the fridge. Gabagool. Over here. All this from a slice of gabagool. Let's get back to that gabagool. Hello and welcome to Gabagool and Roses, the only and best leftist Sopranos podcast. My name is John. I've seen The Sopranos a bunch of times. My two co-hosts, Ben and Rachel, have never seen The Sopranos. What we do is we uh, talk about a different episode every week going in order through the series like a dumb, dumb book club. Uh, We talk about the episode, uh, any weird stuff that we notice, and uh, any leftist themes that happen to pop up along the way. Um, How are you all doing today? Dude, I'm great. Real good. How are you? I've, uh, I'm fine. I'm frustrated. The audio might sound a little wonky on this one because I have to call in because my computer is just like not taking audio. It just like won't take any microphone input, which is a lot of fun. Um, so I'll have to deal with that later. But anyway, how are you, Rachel? I'm fine. I just realized that my cat has little weird, uh, long whisper- whiskers on the back of her legs and I'm enjoying that discovery. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, they're like, like they're like the texture of whiskers, and they come out like like if this is her paw, right? They're like mm-hmm. right here. Okay, it's funny. So wait, like aren't whiskers like part of the cat's nervous system? Oh, maybe. I wonder if that's a normal thing. I'm gonna do some research later. Not now because we are giving ourselves forty-five minutes, and I'm setting a timer on my phone. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, we have given ourselves a goal of getting through this episode in uh, 45 minutes, so sorry if you were counting on a supersized episode this week, it is not happening. Yeah, and why wouldn't you be? Uh, but this week on our, what do you call an unsupersized episode, a fun size episode? Yeah, uh-huh. still 45 minutes. <laughs> Our short king of an episode. There you go. Our short king episode. Uh, we are talking about season two, episode six of The Sopranos, which is called The Happy Wanderer. Uh, initial thoughts on this one? What did you guys think of it? It was fun. You... Okay. Um, fun is interesting. Boring. Okay. Boring. Okay. Reminded me of the episode with the soccer coach. Hmm. Same type of beats. I can see that, yeah, because it has a lot of, to do with like a straight guy on the outside mm-hmm. bumping up against the the criminal underbelly here. Mm-hmm. Um, this this sort of uh, yeah, okay. I don't know where I was going with that. Okay, I'm having a day. I'm always having a day. I feel like but, I am too. Yeah. We'll, we'll get through it. <laughs> we'll get through it, forward, baby. Together. In just 45 minutes on this episode of Kevin Cool and Roses. <laughs> so let's, how let's much get time into it. The guy from Brown is given the spiel on how Brown University, you know, that that little Ivy League school is super exclusive, right? Right. Right. <laughs> and so and so this guy gets up and just goes to take a to take a piss. Uh, it turns I out love meeting scenes in the men's urinal. Yeah. So you get Tony. Turns out and, he's and, uh, well. He's looking. He's come back through time, and he's looking to kill a child. <laughs> oh yes, because 
Hello, everybody. It's T2 the Terminator himself as Davey, our degenerate gambler. Robert Patrick is really weird. Uh, he's really weird. He's very good in this episode, I think, though. Mm-hmm. He acts very well. Yep. Um, so, so, yes. He's Davy. He's Davy Scatino. Um, he's the owner of Ramsey's Sports and Outdoors, which is a, a happy little sports store in wherever the hell, New Jersey. Uh, it's a modest operation, and uh, but evidently he does well enough to send his his son Eric to Verbum Day High School, along with uh, with the Sopranos children, uh, and that's it. Turns out Eric and and Meadow are actually. Uh, Performing together. They're due to perform during cabaret night together. And they're buddies. They are buddies. They are friends. And and Tony and Davey and Artie were like friends from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like the cool kids from what Tony says. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Interesting so, to think about. The way that Davey is acting during the scene, talking to Tony about gambling stuff, like about fo- football and all that kind of stuff. It reminds me of like when somebody's trying to find weed and they're trying to feel that out at a party. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, man, uh, I haven't smoked weed in forever. Like, it would be real cool if somebody had some weed or whatever. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly like, what it was like. And, so, and Tony, yeah. Tony pushes him off. He says, no, we're not, you know, I, I've, I've got gambling, but it's not for you, buddy. And yeah, so uh, embarrassing. Tony's whole world kind of revolves around him maintaining this separation between his suburban life and his mafia life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it would be very damaging to his ego. And it is very damaging to the, his ego when these things combine, uh, as we'll see later in this episode. But. Yeah, so we found out that Tony is running the executive card game. Um, he talks to Uncle Junior about this a little bit, uh, taking it over from Junior. Um, did you guys get, because I think the first time I had, I watched this, I had to like look it up because I wasn't really sure I understood how they're making money off of this. I have no idea. Sort of Completely lost. Uh, yeah, but it's just ahead. a card game. Yeah. They just, you know, it, there's a buy-in amount, you know, you bring mm-hmm. that and you can leave, you know, whenever you lose all your money or you can keep playing. And so the idea is you keep you know, running yourself into a hole uh, and uh, go from there, but you're not exactly, supposed yeah. to. And, not and supposed the way that win. yeah, the the way the house makes money on that because um, is that uh, they do what's called a rake, and so the dealer takes like ten percent of the pot every time. So this is like a high stakes, gotcha. big big money game. So they're throwing a bunch of money in the pot. So there's a lot of more money coming Tony's way. Yeah. Um, in this game than like the kind of poker game that maybe like Richie is running where the stakes are much lower. So, um, so anyway, um, so let's Tony follow asked, the Davy, the Davy storyline. Follow the Davy storyline. Okay. So then the next time we see Davy, Davy's getting in debt with Richie playing cards. Richie like knows that the Davy is fucked. Like, so, I mean, we'll just cut right from that. Cause basically the whole point of that scene is, is he's in deep to Richie. Um, and then Richie is showing up at the shop to take money and uh, Davey's like, oh, it's just a stutter step, just two, two C's behind. And, and as um, 
it's crazy to me that these guys run these kind of numbers in their head, basically, and they keep track of, like, we're going to take the 5%, we tack that onto the principal, and that goes on the big, and that keeps going. Like, I can't do that shit, but whatever. Everyone's a genius in their own way, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think the mafia is actually providing statements, you know, and actually fairly calculating five percent and tacking that on. I think they just. You know, think what? You know what, Ben? I think that's probably a good guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, but basically, and and Junior kind of talks about this when they talk about the executive game. The mm-hmm. whole idea is like getting these guys in debt and then just bleeding them dry. Um, and because once you, once you miss a payment and Richie, you sort of get this from what Richie says, like once a guy misses a payment, like that's it. Like we've seen this every day for as long as we've been doing this, like that's what happens. Um, and guys get in over their heads immediately. So, so then the next time we see Davey is at the executive game. Do we want to just talk about the executive game for a second? Sure. So are we good? Frank Sinatra Jr. is there. Frank Sinatra Jr. Uh, did you all recognize Frank Sinatra Jr. before they had to say, oh, this is Frank Sinatra Jr. in case you were wondering who this old WAP is. Of course I knew. Of course I recognized him. Who wouldn't? I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I think that's the point. They like they make a yeah. big deal out of like Frank Sinatra, and they like say his name like three times in full. Like Frank Sinatra Junior's here. Don't act like this. Yeah. Um. So and and I think that's kind of funny too. Like what he gets out of the game is like they just pay for his airfare, and that's all it takes to get Frank Sinatra Junior to show up to a sketchy card game. I guess, but. Yeah, uh, and, so and it and it brings like a there. level of it brings a level of like uh, mystique to the game. It's like he flew in for this. Yeah. Wow, and I yeah. think that's what ropes Davy in to sit at the card game when he shows up. Oh yeah, Frank Sinatra Jr. was there. He has oh, stars in his eyes, man. One thing that was confusing to me was like, why did they position Frank Sinatra Jr. immediately in front of? Like when you open the door, you can see it. Like, was this, like, what level of control does Tony have in the seating at the table? And was he, you know, it's unclear to me whether he, he's been sort of like, you know, legitimately being like, no, Davey, don't come sit to, the, don't come to this car game. You don't want that life. Or whether he was just sort of like, you don't, you don't really want this. You know, you, do you, do right. you really want this? I don't think, I don't know if he was leading him on. Yeah, there's, there's, it's really, and I think it's supposed to be ambiguous. And if it's not supposed to be, they've done a poor job explaining the motivation because I think you can see it both ways. And I think the way that Junior, again, describes how the exec game works like a, like a credit card, like a, like a platinum credit card is basically what, you know, we call it the executive game and then we take a percentage and then we get into them and they smile at you for taking the VIG out. Like that, I think, points to maybe like – this is this is I think the way the game operates, but maybe not necessarily who Tony wanted for it. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, what do you think, Richard? I think it is ambiguous. This whole fucking thing was lost on me. I do not play card games, and I do not gamble, and I zoned out. Okay, do, but do do you think that Tony was um, targeting Davey for no. this, or do, no? Or do you I think, think he was genuinely trying to get him to walk away. Yeah, and I think they did a poor job of explaining. Like, I just don't. I think they barely put any effort into this storyline. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Davey comes in. The buy-in for this game is $5,000 or five boxes of ZD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I figured that one out. <laughs> yeah, good, good code. Um, there's a good bit in here. So there's, there's another storyline here about Tony uh, or about um, Matt and Sean are back. Christopher's little Oh, Tony. I was so fucking pumped to see them. Uh, the pledges. Yeah, yeah. Chris's little himbo army. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so Tony fucks with. We have this whole setup earlier where you don't fuck with Silvio while he's playing cards, and then Tony fucks with Matt by having Matt go sweep under Silvio. And uh, Lil Steven is making a meal out of this scene. He is so fucking mm-hmm. good. So fucking good. Mm-hmm. I put fucking pieces of cheese under my toes before I go to sleep so it smells like your sister's cunt. Like, what a great... <laughs> it's uh, brilliant. Dude, that is wonderful. That, yeah. He calls Matt cheese fuck. <laughs> so great. Come over here, cheese fuck. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, it's very good. Um, then... Uh, 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 Davey is up all night gambling. Tony wakes up and uh, checks to see how he's doing, and he is down blah, 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 45 boxes of ZD, mm-hmm. 45 grand. Yeah. Um, which, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, so, and guess who comes yeah. to the door? Uh, if it didn't old Richie April at 9 a.m., showing up at a hotel. <laughs> Oh, the last person you'd want to see. Yeah. I mean, really at any time of day, but Jesus. Start your day off with a nice, healthy cup of Richie April. And Richie, of course, goes bonkers because he sees Davey sitting at the table. Davey owes him eight grand. And uh, and basically, Richie blows up the game. Frank Sinatra Jr. and the the penis doctor, who probably keeps making jokes about. uh, Yeah. Uh, they both get skeezed out when uh, when Richie gets violent and they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, then Tony leaves, goes talk to Richie, whatever, blah blah blah. He comes back and then he goes from from being just like a, a soccer dad to Davey to being he's in Godfather mode. Yeah, um, and he's completely cold. He's like, this is not his friend anymore. This is now Mark. Yeah, Tony goes to sleep, uh, wakes up, and uh, turns out. Um, actually, I guess this is, yeah, this isn't really part of the too terribly integral to the storyline, but find out that there's been a death. Um, Eric has been driving Meadow to school, uh, in his, his SUV. Uh, and this is the last time Eric's going to drive the SUV over to this house because, um, <laughs> after, after Davey goes and tries to borrow money from Artie, who definitely is the worst liar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the roof! Uh, you just, mm, I, yeah, you just come to me just a little before, but the roof. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, Davy goes back to his back to his house uh, and makes up some pretense to you know, take his car back from his son and yeah, uses that is- as. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. This scene sucks. Like, it's hard to watch. Yeah, I think. like it's a good scene. Like, as like whatever. But like, oh man, it's so shitty. Yeah, it's like you fucking drove. You've been off roading, and there's mud all over the tires. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that sucks. Yeah, but you know, I guess extreme circumstances make you act like a dumbass. So, 
Right. Um, so, and um, then, so then Tony is really going to be a dumbass. Yeah, Meadow gets the best gift you could ever imagine I, as a high schooler. Like, Watching this again, I, I've seen this a couple times. Watching it again, I'm still, and I know he's gonna do it, and I still, I cannot believe <laughs> yeah, he fucking do that, man. Like every morning, she's going to school in that fucking truck, and you just like, oh. Right. I, I mean, Tony, Tony is not like covering for Davy at all. He's like a man made a wager. Yeah. He's got to pay off his debt. Um, and then he evidently sells the the truck and that pisses off Eric and, uh, and, and that's that, that's the end of the Davy storyline. So that, uh, yeah, that, I mean, I, I think the logical place to jump in then is with the Meadow storyline. Yeah. Because, um, you know, so, all right, go ahead. Yeah. So Meadow's first primary conflict here is she wants a solo. She doesn't want to sing a duet with Eric. Uh, and so she's sad that she has to sing a solo. Uh, and then we well, just see on. her practice. Yeah, the um, the re- you know they this whole thing starts with uh, with the brown guy saying get all of your academic and extracurricular ducks in a row. Yeah, and so Meadow Meadow thinks that you know the idea that she could do a solo versus a duet is somehow going to be dispositive on her application to Bowdoin or Brown or wherever. Uh, right but she is incensed that she has to do this. And I'm kind of like, dude, I'm getting serious Becky with the bad grades vibe from her. Uh, shout and out. Meadow? Yeah. Shout out to Addie. No, we, know Meadow has, we know Meadow has good grades, I think. Well, she gets pissed when she jumps in, in Eric's uh, truck on her way to school when she finds out that What's-Her-Face got early admitted to Wesleyan because her mama – is black or something or half black. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that was nuts. There's some racist ass affirmative action talk mm-hmm. from Meadow and Eric. That's And this is this is two thousand, right? When this is yeah. when this is out? Okay. Yeah, yeah so this is I, I don't this, think she's a she's an Abigail Fisher though. Sure, right. <laughs> but she's definitely yeah, I mean Abigail Fisher couldn't get into a, a public college right right that was her problem she couldn't and the state that she lived in right so which automatically admits the top 10 percent of its public high school students yes but anyway Uh, law corner when you are out of order you're out of order you're out of order the whole trial is out of order they're out of order one thing that I, i do want to point out is this is in 2000 which is um which is right around the period when uh, Gruder, uh, which is an old Supreme Court case, old decision, which is now um, Gruder versus Bol- Bollinger, whatever. Gruder and Gatz, Gartz, whatever. Uh, these are two cases that, that are in 2003 that talk about affirmative action at public universities. And so, you know, this to me is another example of the Sopranos tracking along with crazy right-wing activist litigation bullshit Mm -hmm. and, you know, sort of being a sounding board for how dumb those ideas are and how, uh, you know, pushing back on it. So uh, I think three years later, three years after this, uh, the university admission program is sufficiently good in terms of not being, you know, racist or whatever. Anyway, the point is uh, 
Meadow is playing into that, into that, um, damn, if I were only not who I am, maybe I would have gotten into the school. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't mean to go hard on Meadow. No, I think it's, it's, uh, it's deserved. justified. In it's dirt. It, yeah, right. it's deserved. And also, like, there are plenty of universities she can go to. She just she has to get into Columbia or Brown or whatever. So she becomes a little cutthroat. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit. So, so yeah. So Meadows' primary uh, 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 motivation through this episode is is the the duet and getting into college, and then. Secondarily, when the truck gets introduced, she's like upset about the truck, but she keeps the truck from, I guess, what we're supposed to think, or like she says that her dad would have sold it anyway. So, um, and then uh, Eric gets mad at her and quits, and then Ever the Soprano, Meadow decides to go on and perform anyway as a solo because and- she's total cutthroat. Mm-hmm. And what does she decide to sing? None oh, other than Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. Oh, that's... <sighs> the theme song from what? Pickin'. So, uh, because we hadn't heard that song enough. Right. But yeah, in the year I 2000. So there's yeah. there's one thing about that scene with the, with the truck and her blow up that I, I want that I think is super important that I don't want to gloss over. It's when Tony's finished unloading on her, calling her an ingrate or whatever. And he storms off and leaves. And it's just, it's just, um, Carm and Meadow staring silently at each other. And, and Meadow is like, help me out here. What do I do? You can see it on her face. And, and Carm sort of just shrugs her shoulders and walks on because she realizes, look, I, I can't say anything. Like, right. I, I mean, she's probably wearing stolen jewelry. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. like this is, I was going to say, this is the life you chose. It's not the life that Meadow chose though. It's the life she was born into, but I guess it's just yeah. like, this is our life. Well, here's, here's the thing though. If I'm Meadow, which I'm not, uh, and if I'm thinking on my feet, which I would probably be too pussy to do myself, uh, I'm I'm gonna take the car, say thanks, Dad, and I'm gonna drive it over to Eric's and be like, "This is your car." Hell yeah! Do you think Tony thought that Meadow was gonna be grateful for this gift, or do you think he was this was some some subconscious bullshit, or he's because he's kind of rubbing her face in it? Here. Yeah. I don't know. It's like how how much of a fool is this man? And my right. gut instinct is he's a pretty big fool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of me thinks that, like, you know, part of me wants to say that maybe Tony just didn't realize that, like, how close they were. And but you know, I, I genuinely believe that Tony is a malicious creature, and and you know, went ahead with it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, all right. So uh, another storyline that I want to, there's two more, I guess, quickies that I want to touch on real quick. Um, the first is the, the revelation about uncle echo Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is Tony's uh, uh, 
mentally challenged uh, brother, or not his brother, his uncle. Um, he was his father's brother and, and Junior's brother. Um, mm. And this, like, fucks with Tony hard in a way that it shouldn't. That if you are a normal, well-adjusted person, you understand that genetics are random and that, like, mental challenges and things like that, like, those are random as well. Intelligence is completely random. Uh, and But it, like, shocks him to his core because he probably believes in, like, on some extent, like, bullshit eugenics theories about, oh, like, for having weak... Sure having weak genes and that kind of stuff. And I think Melfi even brings that out and is like, do you, because in an earlier therapy session, Tony goes on this rant about how like, he's not like all the, he's special. He's not like all the other normal douchebags and jerk offs that, that are going to Melfi. Um, and so when this, when he finds out about this, Melfi turns it on him. Uh, and it's like, this is, is this, are you allowed to be like a normal jerk off now um, that you know, you have a, a brother or an uncle who was who was and Melfi drops the R word, which yep. I wish that she hadn't done. Although I gotta say that's gotta be a a, a remnant of the times, I think. Yeah. Um, and I thought I thought it was it was an example of Melfi showing that she is willing to debase herself and and clue in to Tony that she and he are equals and that um, she had all to, the, yeah, she's trying to uh, annoy him and provoke speak, him and speak on his level. Yeah. Right. And, what, annoy uh, him in what way? Not annoy him, provoke. Make him think more. Right. Well, Ben, ben I, yeah, I think you're honest because to him, she knows that it would be like to, to Tony to, to say like a, an R word, uh, uncle would be like an insult. Like if somebody else said that to Tony, it would be an insult to him. Yeah. So I think she knows that, and she's yeah. Yeah, she's not afraid. Fucking with like him. that he will. I don't know smash why. His, smash her face in because I think in the first therapy session he says that maybe. Yeah. So maybe she's a little bit more comfortable after he's like, "I want to smash your fucking face into the mud." Yeah. Jesus, my guy. Um. But yeah. So I, I don't know, maybe she's she's just feeling herself a little bit. So yeah, I did just want to bring that up because like it shakes Tony to his core, even in that meeting with Junior, to where like you see he's not even able to efficiently and effectively negotiate Junior's cut of the exact game. Uh, Junior's like 15, 10, they go 10, 20, 15, and then he's just like, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. And Junior knows he's got the upper hand on him. But like, I don't know, I just thought that was a little a little bit of weirdness and a little bit of... Uh, uh, my my thinking ableist Jesus it was a little ableist or uh -huh. more than a little ableist. So when uh, Junior and Tony were negotiating that, I I was thinking to myself, or not th that whole conversation to me seemed like like Junior realized that he could fuck with Tony and get more money out of it um, by making up Erkley, uh, because who is gonna who's gonna speak on whether or not that person is real. Right? I don't think I've ever read it that way. And I, it, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that like Uncle Eckley is not a huge part of the series, given that he's dead, even in his introduction. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know that it necessarily comes up in the future. Um, 
and, and I guess to a certain extent, you're probably right, Ben. Like, there's nobody – if you're Uncle Junior, there's nobody he can fact check this with, especially since he's not talking to Olivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I've never thought about it that way before. Okay. Because, I mean, it, in, in Tony's defense, which I will never do for the rest of this episode or for the, for the rest of this podcast, uh, it does seem like a bit much. Just the idea that literally nobody ever talked about this guy his entire life until yeah. this very moment. Well, and Tony does say, like, he remembers his parents arguing. <laughs> That's a, kind of a funny joke. He remembers his parents arguing and, and his mom saying, mentioning Johnny's feeble-minded brother but he always thought he was talking about Junior. I don't know. I, I, I think that's an interesting way to, to read it. Yeah, there's there's two things going on. One is um, don't worry about your mother or anything like that. You're wasting too much time with her. So he's he's knocking him off course there. You know, she's crying like she's got a Virginia ham under one arm and saying she has no bread. And then... Um, also, you know, so he's, he's got him frustrated on that end. And then he's also going to reveal the existence of this other family member, which anyway, I, that's, that's why I think that Ercole doesn't exist. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I'm not sure that I, I, I think it would have been an interesting way for it to go and it could have gone that way, but I don't read it as, as such, but anyway. I'm an Ercole truther. Okay. Jesus Christ. Hashtag, uh, Birth, show us the birth certificate. <laughs> That's right. For Ercole. 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 That's a fun one. Um, okay. The other thing, just to drop back in real quick and that I want to touch on, is Richie. Um, after Tony chews out Richie for blowing up the exec game, um, and Tony taxes Richie, by saying that he collects from Davy, Tony collects from Davy first, then Richie. Uh, then Janice picks at Richie in the car um, in like very manipulative way, um, very um, transparently. Is like he only gave you fifty thousand dollars. A mailman makes more than fifty thousand dollars. Which shout out to our real boys in blue, USPS. Correct. We love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys, uh, boys uh, in blue, girls in blue, and non-binary pals. Save, save the postal service, folks. Uh, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting as well. Like we see tension again rat- ratcheting up between Richie and Tony, and there's even a point in which Tony is like, "If you don't like my rulings, do something about it." Um, like just basically challenging him. Like, you want to keep starting shit? Like, let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, uh, you're. Uh, all my friends against your one friend, Junior. <laughs> anyway, just another thing that I think it's important to keep in the in the background as well that Richie is uh, basically like at this point pretty clearly like the big bad, I guess, of this season. But I'm still confused as to why. Like he he hasn't really done anything wrong. Well, uh, hold on. Is it this? Okay, I- it's. It's the episode. What do you mean? Hold on, hold on, hold on, Rachel. Say that again. What? What has he done bad? Uh, Why don't we talk to Beansy? Who? Beansy. Of course, you forgot about him. Out of sight, out of mind. He's he's laid up in the hospital bed. Yeah, that he uh, ran over with the truck. Dude, Tony just fucking beat up this fucking his classmate's dad. What the fuck? Yeah, that's cool. 
I mean, we're talking relative to the the other characters in the show. I don't know. Richard but hold on. So this is not this is not a real thing that you can actually believe that Richie is somehow This is a false equivalency. Yeah. Get this one autism out of my face. <laughs> we'll see how the season progresses and then I'll make my final okay. decision. No, yeah, we but have... Tony is a monster and horrible. Uh, of course. Right. Richie is, is... Also a monster and horrible. But is he worse than Tony? He's more chaotic. How? Oh, Everything... Dude, you know he's more chaotic than Tony for sure. Oh, I don't know. I l- listen. I'm not going to get into it now. I need to see more of what happens this season to make my final yeah. judgment. As I said, uh, I yeah, just think yeah. that we're being very quick to be judgmental of this guy. Okay. All right. <laughs> very quick to be judgmental. Ben is pissed. I hate Richie. I-, I love this because Rachel is doing to Ben what Ben always does to us: <laughs> uh, indefensible hot takes. <laughs> 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 That's true. Exactly. I'm just giving you a taste of your own damn medicine. Yeah. Uh, good point. Uh, okay. So I think, Rachel, how are we doing on time? Or is that just completely out the window? We've got about 10 minutes left. Perfect. Damn. Who was horny this episode? Getting horny now. The Hasid. That's right. The mm. Jewish clerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, the sex worker there always makes his beanie spin <laughs> when she sucks his dick. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, so good. There's great little moments in here. That whole Furio exchange. Also, I want to mention just real quick, the gang's all here in this episode. Everybody's uh-huh. in this episode. Yeah. Uh, all the mobsters. I think Big, maybe Big Pussy isn't, but he's like the only one who doesn't at least stop by. Even Olivia is in this episode. Yeah, and and Furio, that was a quick little scene, but man, it was great. Yeah, I still don't a, really know what the point tab. of it was. Uh, I so don't. It was, we're we're checking back in on that hotel from the oh, first right. season, uh, and there it shows how the mob has basically run it down. Like right. he says, this place is awful since you guys took control of it. Um, they're using it for free. Um, yeah. to do these card games. Um, that it's. it's Clearly just like a sex worker facility. Yeah. Uh, broth, uh, uh, basically a brothel. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so- my, favorite, my favorite part of that scene was as they were panning to the service desk, uh, the, the prostitute coming down the steps, whatever, but they stop over this vending machine or whatever where this like total dork is just like holding a condom up, like, looking at it. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? It's like, whoa. <laughs> I don't think I noticed that. Oh, dude, go back and watch it again. It's I'm fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good, like, little funny bits in this Yeah. One. All right, so that's who's horny. What do you want in your mouth? Put it in my mouth. She said, put it in her mouth. I mean, her, yeah. I mean, her motherfucking mouth. Uh... Is there a lot of food in this one? Oh, yeah. Uh, I want those cigars, I guess. The fish and stuff that they got to play poker, that's disgusting. Yeah, that shit did not look good. Get that away from me. Um, I I, I don't know. I'd like to get a plate at uh, Artie's table, uh, refreshments table. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, that looks like a damn good good catering for a fucking high school Mm -hmm. reception. 
Oh, you know what I want in my mouth is 45,000 boxes of ZD. Hell yeah. <laughs> but real. <laughs> but it's like real, real ZD. Some Streganona shit. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, and I okay. want I want Furio's yeah. delicious ponytail in my mouth. Hell yeah. Go for it. Movono. That's, yeah. that, that's what Movono means pretty much. Like, fucking do it. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Like deep throating a horse tail. Oh my god. Oh, that's just. Okay. Stand. Okay. Stand. <laughs> time to stand. Truly yours, the biggest fan. This is Stan. Ben. You stand me? Aww. No, who, who do you stand? My stand of the week in this week's episode of Stands of the Week. Oh my god. I'm going to stand uh, Matt. Uh, Matt is well meaning. He uh, he puts up with the abuse that he gets from Sill, uh, and he you know is doing his very best. He got a you know he did well enough to get a pretty large tip apparently from Mr. Sinatra Jr. Sir, so um, you know good good job, Matt. Okay, Matt, uh, Rachel, who was your stand this week? Um, my stand is Eric Scatino. Oh, Eric, yeah. I thought I wanna, he, yeah, I felt bad for him. I thought he was a nice kid. Yeah. I want to talk about why it looks like he's wearing lipstick. Why does, does it? it look like he's wearing lipstick? <laughs> I think that's his, that, that's his lips. Or something. Like, it looks like he has, like. I think he just has very striking snow white features. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It looks weird to me. I kept wanting him to wash his face he looked like someone put doll makeup on him well yeah i think that's his face dude <laughs> all right well maybe i shouldn't make fun of his face um who do you stand like there's on? that one there's that one actor who we're not making 10 minutes there's that one actor no, who it looks like he always has eyeliner on do you know who i'm talking about he's in like one of the batman movies yes the character uh, actor. He, he just has really dark eyelashes he's in lost yeah yes and it always looks like he has eyeliner on. Yes, his and name I, I Nestor think, Carbonell. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's exactly it. Good pull. Yeah. Very good pull. Thank so you. he's it's, got a real Nestor Carbonara vibe going. Yeah, Nestor Carbonara. Uh, all right, my stand. Uh, I'm going to stand. Uh, I'm going to stand Silvio, not so much for his actions, but for the performance by Mr. Dr. Little Steven. Yeah. Uh, Very good. Who, uh, I, I wonder if that probably took a few takes, I'm sure. But man, he got it. It, it, yeah. looks, it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, his little flip out. Uh, and he, he's kind of smirking a little bit the whole time. Like, I don't know. It's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my stand. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> Are we going to try to do a real dialectic this week? No, I am certainly not. (laughs) Okay. Immediate head shakes no from everyone. Uh, Rachel, that was your initiative, I believe. So I think you have to start with your dialectic for this week. Uh, All right. Um, uh, Something that I liked um, is that... uh, 
we got to see Chris's two goons again. I was re-listening to our season one up or season two episode one uh, release, which just came out, and uh, remembered being so excited about these two goons and how stupid they were. Um, and so I'm glad that we got more of them because it had been a few episodes since they showed up. Uh, something that I loved here was the um, <laughs> the like on the nose kind of joke that uh, the writers snuck in, or at least I hope that's what they I hope they knew what they were doing. Where they basically say Tony's in therapy uh, with Dr. Melfi, and he basically she's prompting him to like confront his anger and maybe dig a little deeper into why he's so fucking angry and violent. And he's like what am I a woman? Like he doesn't want to investigate his emotions. And I was like, God, we're really just back to square one, huh? Like, right. It's a woman thing to fucking try to figure out why you feel the way you do. Like we love it. So that, mm -hmm. that's great. Total reset there. Um, and then the, what I didn't like is I feel like I did not understand the whole, the point of, the, the guy who died and the funeral and the happy wanderer reference that Dr. Melfi says. And I don't know, what is that even a reference to? I don't understand any of that. So, so the guy who died was uh, Tom Sr. That would be uh, Tony's sister Barb's uh, father-in-law. Okay. And yet we didn't uh, see Barb. Right. So that the happy wanderer in this case is it's something that Tony describes, but it, he's, he's thinking of Davey um, who's kind of like this happy go lucky guy seems like he has it all together. Um, but really uh, he's empty inside uh, and he's trying to fill that. And uh, the words of the movie tombstone, he's trying to fill that hole with gambling and uh, well, I guess for him, it's just gambling. A man like Ringo got a great empty hole right to the middle of him. He can never kill enough or steal enough or inflict enough pain to ever fill it. Um, so he's, he's happy. Uh, he seems happy, but he's really unsettled. He's a wanderer. And again, like the song that plays at the end of the episode uh, is the Happy Wanderer song. And yeah. it, it seems like it's, it's from Tony's perspective, like zoning out during the cabaret performance, which which had another th element of like, is this something that is Tony now the, the happy wanderer himself? Like now that he's broken this man, um, is that who he's become? Well, and I think that's sort of the question that Melfi poses to him too, is like, now that you know about your uncle, Eccoli, um, does that change your opinion and that you can now be a happy wanderer that you can, mm -hmm. I don't know. And can he? No. <laughs> no. He's deeply broken. Ben, what is your dialectic? Mm, okay. So something that I like uh, in this episode, <clears throat> I, I liked the, um, I, I like the uh, fake friendship uh, dynamic of, um, of Eric and Meadow. I like the fake friendship dynamic of Artie and uh, Davey. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like the fake friendship dynamic between Davey and Tony. Uh, you know, all, like all three of those relationships were, uh, you know, certainly we could be friendly with one another, but when you need the other to help you out in a, 
in a jam, uh, you're not going to do that. You're going to put yourself over, over the other. And I thought that that was a, a pretty well uh, showcased among the three of them. Something I didn't like was all the well, fucking... Hold on, Ben, real quick, because we mm -hmm. have a chance to, to focus on some leftist things for just a sec. That is because of capitalism. Uh, the, mm -hmm. we're, we're not in a position to help each other out, and we're in a position where we constantly have to contend with putting ourselves before others or risk you know, mm -hmm. death or starvation or whatever, uh, and we're not able to, to help others because we have to work and because we have to produce profit for capital. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, I, I just I had to tag that real quick while, we, that, while I saw it. Yeah, thank you for doing that. that. That's a good call. I could have waited till my synthesis, but whatever, man. Damn. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, so one thing that I didn't, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, it, you know, it, it is 100% it is symptomatic of a, a world that needs to, or that, encourages people to drift away from one another and focus on yourselves and do what's right for yourself as the, the collective good. Uh, Alienation, thing, baby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't like in this episode was all the fucking singing. Uh, I, I did not, I'm sorry, I did not like the You Are the Sunshine and I Moon song. I don't like that song. Uh, I didn't like the German singing. No, I, I'm sorry, I was not... Uh, I, I am okay. AJ Soprano is a whole mood when he's just at the cabaret performance and he just leans back in his seat, just goes, "Oh my god!" <laughs> nice. yeah. Shout out to AJ, whole mood. Uh, so one thing that I I loved was the exploration of um like authenticity and class uh, in, in this episode. So it sounded to me like we had. You know, a, a famous singer. We had a uh, a doctor, and we had some other sorts of like gross people sitting around a table. You know, this is where the power is. This is what power looks like. You know, all these all these rich douchebags hanging out and playing with one another and taking advantage of, of poor people. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, certainly they're in this in this hotel that they've ripped off uh, from these guys uh they're you know they're taking this money from this this mark this total mark davy uh, bleeding him drive forty five thousand, and you know davy drives his you know moderately nice car back to his little mcmansion or whatever and steals the car from his son to to purge a payment to tony and so my thought or like what i i liked about that was um, you know, you can, you can pretend to have access at this table, uh, but the minute you start looking above and try to you know, rub elbows with people outside of your, your class, uh, we will turn on you and we will devour you. Yeah. You, you also see that power and that wealth used as a way to dehumanize Matt and Sean um, mm -hmm. in those scenes mm -hmm. um, where there, it's basically just a bunch of guys with money who, because they have money, they have power. And because they have both money and power, they can uh, treat these guys like shit. I mean, Silvio in his crazy rant at Matt, um, but then also just like the way Tony talks to them and treats them like subhuman um, because they don't have money like he has. Mm -hmm. Yep. Agreed. So what about you, John? Uh, so 
Uh, a thing that I liked, uh, just to go counter to Ben, uh, I like that we got to see Meadow sing again. Uh, it was a reminder that that actress can really sing. And I thought it was kind of crazy to have her. It seemed like she was singing very well. And then the, the music teacher is like, we have a lot of work to do. I was like, that sounded good to me. But yeah. anyway, uh, it's a good reminder that Jamie Lee and Lynn Siegler is, is very talented. And, um, uh, and that when she tried out for the show, she thought it was a show about singing because it was called The Sopranos. We love it. Uh, uh, something that I, uh, I loved in this episode. Uh, I, I, and I've probably said this before. I love these sort of episodes where we get to see how the mob stuff works for a second. I like that mm. those, those moments are held to a specific episode or to a season that like a, a lesser show. That's the show is it's how the mob, you know, it's like the inner workings of the mob and it doesn't really focus on the family part of it or, or the other part. Um, I guess uh, I'm thinking uh, the show that I'm describing is Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> which is a, just the lesser Sopranos uh, because it basically does that. It's focused way too much on uh, the schemes that the crew has and that they never pull off. And when they uh, pull off, uh, it's for like $70 or something is all that they could pull off from the scam. So, yeah, but uh, at least Sons of Anarchy has Charlie Hunnam. Oh, are you, uh, is that your uh, I am Dorian Gray or whatever? a big Charlie Hunnam fan, like hardcore. Uh, I was, uh, because he was in Judd Apatow's canceled series, Undeclared, his follow-up to Freaks and Geeks. Oh, nobody saw it. It was on for like half a season and then they canceled it. And then Dorks Like Me found it on like DVD. Um, it's very good. Uh, you good. Yeah, Charlie, a young Charlie Hunnam is in it. Um. <sighs> With uh, what's his face, the guy that wrote Goon. Ah, uh, it's me. He talks like this. He's friends with Seth Rogen. I'm an adorable so, Canadian. So when we're Jay Baruchel, Jay Bar Jay Baruchel. Yes. Oh my god. So when we're uh, looking at this and saying, "Wow, where did the 45 minutes?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John tries to remember Jay Baruchel for seven minutes. Is definitely Jesus. Well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Um, all right, so that so yeah, that's something that I love. I love that this show is uh, uh, judicious with how it uses the like the mob part of it to mm -hmm. juice the storyline when it needs it. Um, anyway, um, something that I hated in this episode. Uh, so I, I guess I, I hate the resolution makes sense, uh, I, I, but I hate that it is correct. Um, I guess I hate that the world is this way, that in the end, uh, everything works out with the Sopranos. Meadow gets a new truck. Tony gets money. Meadow gets her solo. Uh, and meanwhile, Eric and Davey are fucked. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess that's, that's, it's good of the show to show that, but it sucks that that is actually how these things work. Uh, and so that I hate the world is, that the world is that way. Yeah, I mean, the Sopranos just sort of suck everyone into their orbit and destroy them. Right. Like, I, I think that's that's something that we saw in the last episode. Um, and God bless her, Charmaine is the, the only one that has kept uh, uh, Artie Bucco from fucking being absorbed into that mm -hmm. orbit. Uh, 
And he, you see it, like, you see the looks on Artie's face throughout this episode. Yeah, he's, he's figured like, out that the it's best like, thing like, there but for the grace out. of God go I. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, what's our time at, Rachel? How bad did we do? We are about five to ten minutes over. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, so the next episode is called D-Girl, uh, and we're going to record that right now. Uh, until next week, please wash your hands, take your medicine, go to therapy, and organize for the revolution. We love you. We love you. My stand of the week. My stand of the week.